The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Welcome in this week of Thanksgiving that I hope starts a year of Thanksgiving for you. I want to take a moment to give special gratitude for all of you who listen who support 1111 Talk Radio and 1111 Magazine. We hit 700,000 listeners last week, my producer said, and that is humbling and inspiring and fills my heart that I'm offering information and supporting different individuals and sharing their voices and supporting you in hearing the content that you desire to hear. So please connect with me. Let me know more of what you'd like to hear, who you'd like to hear, and the topics that will best support you in your journey through life. Uh, you can find out more at my website, IamSimran.com. Definitely connect with me on social media at Simran Singh 1111 or 1111 Magazine on Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and LinkedIn. My guests today are longtime friends and individuals that I'm deeply inspired by and really resonate with because I believe we walk uh, very much in the sacred essence of the muck and mire as much as we do in the sacred culmination of the light in beauty and unity and devotion. Carl Jung said that change requires three things, insight, endurance, and action. Insight offers us a way of seeing, a revised perspective about who we are or how the world works. To hold on to that insight, however, and allow it to ripen requires endurance. We must be able to stay with the new way of seeing things or it will vanish like last night's dream. We must keep it in front of us, write about it, dance it, draw it, mull it over with a close friend, meditate on it, whatever we can do to keep our attention focused squarely on the insight. Then, maybe then, the insight will have found a new way to express itself in the world as action. Jung said psychology is involved only in the first stage, that of insight. The second Two steps are moral matters. To what will we choose to devote ourselves? What commitments are being asked of us, which will enable these insights to deepen into an embodied change? Return to Joy is a book that is filled with moral courage, offering us scores of ways to work with the core insight the book offers, which states that joy is the ultimate nature of reality. The true task in life is to uncover this primordial joy in oneself and then live from its peace, energy, radiant purpose, and embodied passion. I can't think of two more incredible people to have written this book to truly know the talk that they have also walked than Andrew Harvey and Carolyn Baker. Andrew Harvey is the founder, director of Institute of Sacred Activism, an international organization focused on inviting concerned people to take up the challenge 
of our contemporary global crises by becoming inspired, effective, and practical agents of institutional and systemic change in order to create peace and sustainability. Sacred activism is a transforming force of compassion in action that is born of a fusion of deep spiritual knowledge, courage, love, and passion with wise radical action in the world. He is the author of many books, and his work can be explored in depth at www.andrewharvey.net. Carolyn Baker, also the author of many books like Love in the Age of the Apocalypse, as well as uh, Collapsing Consciously, Transformative Truths for Turbulent Times, and many others, such as Dark Gold, that we have had on 1111 Talk Radio before. She lives and writes in Boulder, Colorado, and manages her website, carolynbaker.net. She's a former psychotherapist and a professor of psychology and history, a life coach and a consultant for people who want to live more resiliently in the present as they prepare for the future. I am gladly welcoming both Andrew and Carolyn to 1111 Talk Radio. Thank you both so much for being here today. Well, thank well, you so much for having introduction. us. It's so <laughs> lovely to hear you, Simran, and hear your beautiful marriage of real mind and profound heart. I love your style and your generosity of spirit and what you're making available to people. Thank you so much for doing the work you're doing. It must bring you joy. It does, and this book resonated so much with me, particularly as it moves into even the flames of joy, but especially because you still confront the most necessary pieces that also deal with the adversaries of joy, the shadows, the different mm-hmm. ways that we have to travel on that road to joy. So, Andrew, I'd like to open up first by asking you a question, and it really has to do with that marriage that seems to occur. We, we are in this human condition where, you know, as Buddha says, life is suffering, and so often yeah. we have to face the suffering of the world, yet joy is inherent. It is our divine truth. It is who we are. How, how have you been able to walk this path of feeling your suffering, experiencing the suffering of the world, and yet truly living in this place where joy is still actually present. I think that's a challenge for many people to grasp onto the other when the first seems so palpable and visceral. For me, and that is a wonderful question, there is really only a very simple answer, and that is that you have to become a lover in love with the beloved. And the beloved is the whole of reality, everything that happens, the terrible and the amazing, the healing and the destroying, everything, life and death. And you have to fall so completely in love with love that love then gives you all the strength and clarity and generosity and above all, ecstasy, deep, tender, subtle joy in return as grace for the way you love. So love is the key. And when you love, you accept suffering as the price of love. And even more amazingly, and this is what will happen on the path, on the path of the mystical lover, Even more amazing, you come to be happy that you can suffer because the suffering itself is proof of love. So 
joy lives in the middle of the suffering, and not in a masochistic way, but in an understanding that you share something of the divine greatness of the great heart in suffering for love and with love. So that's how I experience my life. Mm. When you talk about that, it's almost as if... uh it's, it's, it's very much a relationship, and we have to move from the place of deciding that we're just going to date to really committing to be married to this experience and moving yes. through each and every part of it as every that sacred lover. Every part of lover. it, it's all God. It's so you having a complete immersion in reality, knowing that you're extremely fragile and extremely powerful at the same time because you are the child of the transcendent one and the eminent one. You are the living child of the universal father-mother. This is a huge, humbling, ecstatic realization. That is the divine birth. And I think that the divine birth is coming alive all over the world in so many different ways. It's in the program you're doing. It's in the way you do it. It's in the seriousness and the exaltation of the way you do it. So that's the divine birth. It's appearing in so many ways, but the key to it is the radical training of your whole being in the joy of being a lover of the one, of the reality, of what's happening, just for its own sake without defenses, without ironies, without pretenses, without games, just to say yes to life, to this experience, with everything you are and everything you have, and in the tremendous gratitude and joy of being able to do so through grace. Amazing experience. We live in a world where we have now brainwashed ourselves into this life of positive thinking. We have decided oh, that we can yes. take a pill, that we can swallow yes. something, that we can will our way through whatever shows up, and that we are going to be happy no matter what. Talk about the distinction between happiness and joy and how, how one is a limited perspective and how the other is a very expansive one. Well, thank you so much for that question because that is one of the key points in our book. Um, we say on page 54, radical joy is radical, which is simply a word that means going to the root because it ensues from the root of our being. It's hard won. It's not mindlessly acquired. Uh, it, it comes, as Andrew was saying, as a result of a commitment to utilizing adversity as an advisor and being willing to live a far more expansive and passionate life than the one that corporate culture offers us. One can never know the ultimate destination of that journey, but one thing is certain, and we say this, we really uh, emphasize this, joy is a subversive power, and the price of joy is relinquishing a life of pursuing happiness in exchange for a life of holding joy as the ultimate nature of reality in the cup of one's heart. And so this, you know, um, this commitment wow. to only positive thinking is just not working anymore. And we no. have to integrate these two opposites, uh, which is, you know, you quoted Jung, and that was just the core of his whole perspective uh, of life. 
So thank you for the question, and we endeavor to answer it in this book. And as we look at the things that are going on in the world today, whether it is politics or whether it is you know, things affecting the animals of our world or the earth itself or climate, the many different issues that are arising right now, and we're trying to grasp that level of joy that is so far beyond happiness, what is, what is it that we must sink into to even taste the joy at all? Because so many people feel it's a, a this or that, but it's mm-hmm. a both-and conversation, isn't it? It absolutely is. Um, and, you know, uh, suffering is a part of life. And in here we have we have highlighted several people who we consider our heroes and heroines of joy. People like the Dalai Lama, people like Jean Goodall, Goodall Tina Turner, Malala, uh, Pope Francis, Seymour Bernstein, and many, many more uh, who've had lives of profound pain and suffering, but they're able to tap into that joy because why? They surrendered to the suffering as part of life. This is a part of my existence. I can't run away from it. I can't say 25 affirmations and get rid of it. This is what is, and it's a part of life. It's a part of the divine, in fact. And so it is through this suffering and surrendering to it that I am transformed and that I find that joy at the core of my being. Yes. Andrew, when, when, when Carolyn talks about suffering and when people think about suffering, no one wants to go there. That's such a hard place. It's heartbreaking. It's heart-wrenching. And yes. yet it is the way through that that we discover the light, that we discover the joy how have you been able to face different experiences in the world or how do you understand people who have lived through the most tragic of circumstances to be able to, to surrender to the heartbreak because that seems to be where that real juice is to understand that it is all part of the divine. Absolutely, that's the key. Until you understand that, you know nothing about yourself or God, because the road to unity passes through the shattering of heartbreak. You cannot get to being truly one with reality except through an experience of the most extreme heartbreak, heartbreak at the unbelievable apocalyptic situation we've created on every level, heartbreak at the desolation of the human soul that we see spreading like cholera on every level, heartbreak at the pain of awakening to such a situation and having to bear such a situation and having to bear responsibility in our own shadows for such a situation. I think until you've gone through those kinds of heartbreak and united them in a great heartbreak for the whole of reality, the heartbreak that suffused the heart of the Buddha, the heart of the Christ, that, the heart of the mother, until you've experienced that level of heartbreak, you'll never get to the core of divine love. So never discover primordial joy. You have to go to the end of the road of heartbreak to discover the diamond of joy. It is written like that. And it's a marvelous law because the heartbreak humbles you and in the end annihilates the cold 
sculptures of the ego just destroys them so that you come to a heartbroken but totally open and totally tender relationship with the whole of reality, which is the ecstasy of the lover, which is the ultimate joy that you can experience in your heart, mind, soul, and body. That's how the universe is constructed. That's the way of the lover, as understood in the great ancient traditions and lived by the great lovers like Jesus and Rumi. That's the key. And um, in my own experience, Andrew, it seems as if we, we take on these identities, we take on these personas, just so that we can understand them, and then in some way the suffering is having to let those identities crumble. Or what you're speaking of, take on the heartbreak of the mother, take on the heartbreak of the child or of different aspects of life. We either have to consciously allow ourselves to step into those places of knowing what empathetically that feels like or or how that breaks the heart, before we can really let it go, is that expanding us into the greater divine by letting each of those identities go once we felt them? Absolutely. It's like dissolving in a radiant acid bath so that you escape at last your horrible constrictions. The walls of the ego crumble so that you can melt into life and become one with life itself without illusion but with total acceptance of the glory that suffuses everything and immense gratitude for such an immense experience, which is all agony and all joy and all love and all wisdom and all clarity at the same moment because it's crucifixion and resurrection in the same emotion. And, you know, as you were introducing your question, Simran, you said something about um, no one wants to go there to the suffering place, and yet... um, all, all, all mature cultures on this planet understand yes. that suffering is a part of life. And we in the Western world, in the industrialized world, seem to be children in that respect because we believe that we're entitled to be happy all the time. And right. so, you know, uh, that's one of the adversaries of joy, actually, that we talk about in the book, uh, in this corporate culture, this entitlement to happiness. Um, and, and in fact, um, it, it is through the suffering that we come into true joy. And no one wants to go there, but we will be dragged kicking and screaming by this thing called life. It happens to all of us, no matter what we do or don't do. And the depth of the crisis we're in, because if people yes. don't understand now, with the election of a certain person, that we're in a very dangerous situation which could go any which way because the shadow has erupted in overwhelming ways. Mm -hmm. If that's not understood and if it's not understood that the future of the world depends on the future of the climate and that's now hanging by a thread, especially if we continue to have mad right-wing governments come in that deny climate change. Right. We're in a very extreme crisis, which people are going to wake up to and need to be able to embrace as the most amazing, potent opportunity to get totally real about loving life and giving everything you are and everything you have for the sake of love itself. And that's going to bring so much joy into the world. Because when you give like that, you give as God gives. And that kind of giving gives immense secret tender joy 
Personal or collective shadows may seem relatively harmless, but they're not. Not. Young stated that the shadow has a truly demonic dynamic, and as long as the shadow remains unconscious, it will be projected onto other individuals or groups. Refusal to look at our own shadow only causes it to expand and intensify. The good news, however, is that we can commit to doing the personal and collective shadow work in order to make the shadow conscious and thereby heal it. We will discuss more of this after the commercial break. Thomas Aquinas teaches that joy is the human's noblest act and that God is supremely joyful and therefore supremely conscious. The stretching of our consciousness and reaching of our next stage of evolution as a species depends on a deeper immersion into joy, which is, as Carolyn Baker and Andrew Harvey make clear in their book, Return to Joy, distinct from happiness. You can find out more about Andrew Harvey and his Institute of Sacred Activism along with his many wonderful books at andrewharvey.net. You can find out more about Carolyn Baker and all of her wonderful work and her books at carolynbaker.net. We'll be right back after these messages. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, 1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly online publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. Engage with experts in topics of consciousness. Become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, expanding the heart, and experiencing greater aliveness. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. We live in a civilization that has lost the essential truth of reality as it has been known in all the mystical and indigenous traditions. In the second decade of the 21st century, civilized humans were madly engaged in what is portrayed to them as a pursuit of happiness. But in most cases, they have little experience of joy as the ultimate nature of reality. The obvious question that arises from this statement is, what is the difference between happiness and joy? In the book, Return to Joy, there is an attempt to discern the difference based on the fundamental assumption derived from the great spiritual and mystical traditions, that joy is the ultimate nature of reality. Happiness is circumstantial. It is a state that, as everyone knows, comes and goes. Joy, of which we speak, is not conditioned by the shifts of fate or the play of emotions. This is from the book, Return to Joy, and the authors are Carolyn Baker and Andrew Harvey, and they both 
are very in-depth in their knowledge as to what it is like to go through the darkness, the shadows, and the collective unconscious, as well as the effects of that collective and personal shadow upon the world. They also know what it is to rise into the light, to embrace all that is darkness, and transmute and transform that to be a greater expression upon the planet. They understand the power of sacred activism, and they understand the necessity of living lives of true joy and justice. You can find out more at andrewharvey.net and as well, carolynbaker.net. Welcome back to both of you. Uh, Carolyn, I'd like to start back with you again and talk a little bit about personal and collective shadows. This, again, is another area which uh, few of us, uh, you know, really love to talk about and others <laughs> dabble in and most people like to stay away from, but it is truly the, the place that we all must go to now. It is the doorway that we must enter to really grasp the state of our world. Can you talk about uh, some of the five collective shadows sure. that are affecting our world right now? Absolutely. Um, of the five collective shadows, the first one is disbelief or not being able to accept that something so atrocious as the global crisis could actually be happening. Uh, I think most people are in denial of uh, the reality of the collapse, actually, of industrial civilization and the paradigm on which it rests. Um, denial is another example of, uh, of all of this, and we see denial now writ large in terms of climate change and many, many other issues uh, in the world. And, and then uh, dread is another one of the collective shadows. Um, we, we have so much dread and fear um, that we're not able to really look clearly at a situation and we're not able to access that joy within us. And, and we keep pushing away. We keep resisting. Disillusion and despair, which are often attended by rage uh, and hopelessness, can feel very disempowering. And then finally, uh, the death wish, we can become so despairing that, that we just consciously or unconsciously don't want to be here, um, at which time we're not only miserable, but we're not serving the planet. So most people, I think, are not fully aware of their disbelief, denial, dread, and disillusionment. Um, they feel it within themselves, and, the, and they don't know how... Uh, how, how to access this joy that we're talking about. Uh, and we live, you know, in terms of the death wish, I want to add that we live in what Andrew and I call a flatline culture um, in which, uh, you know, we just, we don't want to experience the fullness of our aliveness. We just kind of want to stay in this gray zone of not really feeling much of anything. Uh, in fact, we can't even get too happy, we think, because people will think there's something wrong with us. And so if we're in that place, we're not fully alive. We're kind of already walking around dead. So, um, the, you know, perhaps our deepest reason for doing nothing about the crisis is that unconsciously we may want to see the world destroyed and with it a way of life that we have made so futile and so miserable. Mm. Andrew, as I heard Carolyn speaking of these five collective shadows, and as listeners may be, may be attuning to what she's saying, sometimes the ego will say, well, if those are the shadows, I need to run from them. And I know that you are the author of The Hope. I've had you on the show before discussing that amazing book. But it almost seems that we have to dive into and face 
see, hear, and acknowledge our voices of disbelief, denial, dread, disillusion, yes. hopelessness, even death, that we literally yes. not only have to face them and speak them, but we need to allow them to speak so that we can hear them. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I think you've said it absolutely exquisitely. I think the first thing we have to realize, if we can, is that we're all traumatized by yes. the depth of the crisis. And if you come to understand just how traumatized you are, and I think the work that Carolyn and I have done over the last 30 years has revealed to us the conscious fruits of that traumatization. We know we're traumatized and we've used our trauma to try and understand everyone else's and the forces that prevent the flowering of the understanding that comes from accepting the depth of that trauma. So that's the first thing that people need to be able to face. And then to have great compassion on yourself and realize that you're approaching a tremendous mystery, the mystery of everything that is hidden in your consciousness that you've been trying to evade dealing with to get real about reality, which is fundamentally the wisdom of the shadow. Everything that you need to know is in everything that you're denying. Mm. And that takes a great act of moral courage and then to really allow yourself to examine yourself and to own up to your own disbelief, your own denial, your own despair and dread and your own tragic disillusion at human nature and everything and get real about your death wish that you really do at certain levels, want not to be here because it's a very painful experience when the opium wears off of a false corporate madness. Right? Well, in, in, in speaking to that, Andrew, you know, we live in a society that says depression's not good. Go take a pill. You're not supposed to feel right. that way. And yet exactly, it's almost as if we need to let ourselves feel this I so that we can we move beyond it. Yes, because I realize myself that it's not until you realize how sick you are that you really grasp at healing passionately enough. And I think that one of the reasons the society tries to keep everybody on this gray strip of feeling, this flat line gray strip, is because their people are secretly so depressed they can be controlled. That's the perfect state to keep people in if you want to, to create a world fascist state of control. That would be the triumph of the corporate madness, the whole triumph of um, human narcissism, the demonic triumph it would be. That's possible now. So, Carolyn, will you tell us a little bit about the the personal shadows then, and and how does how does that translate? Are do the collective shadows uh, then enhance our personal ones, or are our personal shadows then enhancing the collective? Well, I think they certainly work together, and thanks for that yes. question. Um, Andrew was just talking about narcissism, and that's the first personal shadow. Um, and we now have um, the world's greatest narcissist becoming the president of the United States. So it's no longer POTUS, it's NOTUS. Um, preoccupation with ourselves, it's, it's epidemic in our culture. 
Um, and, and we really need to look at how narcissism keeps this death machine operational. And until it's eradicated, we can't possibly rise to meet this crisis with grace and love. Um, a second shadow is the terror of taking a stand. We're all afraid of acknowledging what we really know because the kind of demonization we receive from speaking the truth causes us to shrink from doing so. Um, look, at, look at Edward Snowden and the price he has paid. Look at Julian Assange. Um, we must confront our fear directly and recognize the extent to which we've consented to remain silent and, and what right. that consent continues to enable. Uh, another personal shadow is the love of comfort, and we're really seeing it this this week with uh, Thanksgiving festivities and Black Friday shopping. We're addicted to a lifestyle that we willing, willingly perpetuate, even when it's obvious that the world is being destroyed by it. Um, mm. an, another personal shadow is uh, woundology, uh, <laughs> which is r- actually <laughs> rooted in narcissism. narcissism. This is perspective assumes that that we can't act in the world or, or really do deep shadow work until we've healed all of our childhood traumas. Now, it's very important to, to work on childhood trauma, but we need to understand that, um, you know, that work is never completely done, and we need to move beyond it and not keep reverting back to it as something that is going to keep us from being effective and powerful in healing uh, voices in the world. And finally, the, the fifth personal shadow is what we call the golden shadow, which is the adoration of other activists, other healers and celebrities. We allow these people to take action for us because we're afraid to do it ourselves. You know, well, I'll just let Bill McKibben do it or I'll just let Leonardo DiCaprio do it. Um, the, the illusion is that if we really adore this person whom we admire, we're, we're doing the work that needs to be done. But in fact, this is a projection, even though it's a positive one, that needs to be reclaimed because what we adore in others are qualities that are crying out within ourselves to be developed, uh, but which our adoration prevents us from truly manifesting. So, Andrew, I'd like to ask you, because so often people see what's going on in the world, and, and Carolyn just, you know, noted the fact that the president that's just been elected, he is, he is one of the greatest narcissists probably of all time. And, and yet, for people that are looking at what's taking place, they're either going to go into that place of hopelessness of who am I? I'm just one person. What can I do? What difference will my one uh, action make? To then this other half of the people that are completely celebratory of this type of behavior and and racism and uh, separatistness. And so what do we do as an individual when we're facing something to this degree that is really becoming a narcissistic society in a narcissistic world? Well, I think the first thing you really have to do is the last thing you really want to do, and that is to face your own narcissism and really come to comprehend that you have an inner Trump, you have a redneck, you have a racist, you have a misogynist, you have a homophobe in you, and a fanatic, and someone who wants there to be no climate change because can't stand even beginning to feel the pain of what it would be to feel what's really going on. 
And that kind of shadow work is excruciating, but it's the first thing we need to do because it opens up on true acceptance of the extremity of the situation and great unconditional compassion for everyone, including yourself, caught up in it. Because what this symbolizes, this election, and what is obviously happening is that we are discovering we're in a lunatic asylum. And mm. we're all crazy, and we all need healing. And from that place, I think, the whole progressive movement could undergo a spiritual transformation in which it accepted the extremity of the situation instead of going into despair and paralysis, went into radical heartbreak, radical opening to love, and so discovered the great joy that is at the core of everything, and so discover the source of fuel for the next leg, which is going to be long and dark, that will give us the strength and the persistence and the passion and the energy to do the great work, which is obviously being born not just from peace and joy and light, but also from chaos and horror. Let's participate fully in that birth with the fullness of ourselves embracing all the opposites and doing the work for love and justice from a place of joy and sacredness. Live a sacred life in joy and you'll be fed the fuel to turn up as a sacred activist with millions of others in this crisis, which is absolutely our responsibility to foster the birth of a new humanity out of this madness. And it can arise because never forget over half the country did not vote for this. Over half the country did vote for a sane, gradualist, intensely intelligent program. And that half is not going to be silent. We're not going to fall silent. But what we do need to do is to go through an inner revolution that expresses itself in a mass movement of sacredly inspired, nonviolent resistance when necessary to make the voice of love heard. That's how well, I see what's happening. Does that make any sense to you, Carolyn? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Simran, an article that we're going to be sending you very soon uh, is, is, is from Andrew and me uh, talking about how we can navigate this daunting future now that is in front of us. And, and, you know, a lot of people are talking about reconciliation. Well, let's just, you know, let's all get together. And we kind of redefine this word and we say, no, we don't need reconciliation. We need reconnection. Reconnection yes. with ourselves with each other and with the earth that then allows us to have this spiritual revolution inside of ourselves, which allows us then to become resistant in a nonviolent way and then allows us, the third point of our article, to become resilient human beings, to really have the power and the joy in our lives um, to to. I think deepen our consciousness and deepen our sacred activism in the world. But we've got to be willing to look at the shadow. You know, again, I come back to the, the real point that we're making in this book is there is a price to pay for your joy. You want joy? Well, the price is, you know, Jeremy talks about kissing. <laughs> the price of, of this is kissing. I, I can't remember the exact quote, Andrew, but... Um, you have to price, kiss the serpent, yes. 
Kisses, yeah, mm. right. <laughs> and that's, that's what we have to do. There's a price to be paid for this joy, and it is deep soul work. And uh, boy, I'll tell you, the rewards are phenomenal. And the other Phil thing Shepard. I think is very important, darling, and this is very important for people to hear, this isn't just a book about paying the price for this joy through right. this grueling shadow work. It is also a book about the actual joy of shadow work. Because the amazing thing that you'll discover if you undertake what the ego will call grueling shadow work is that actually the actual experience of shadow work opens you to new kinds of compassion, new kinds of love, new kinds yes. of understanding of all human beings and animals of the real crisis. And that immeasurably deepens your powers of tenderness towards life. And there's an initiation and you're, there's pain in that initiation, but if you live it in surrender, you experience a tremendous joy, a joy that you're not subject to your shadow. You have a shadow, but you aren't your shadow. You, something else is holding the shadow and making its treasures available to you, and that something else is your divine self. And that gives you tremendous humble gratitude, and that gives you tremendous humble joy that's perhaps, how I experience it perhaps Simran we'll have a chance to talk about the flames of joy because we have a whole ha we'll have a whole chapter here on the different kinds of joy we can experience Exactly. Right after this commercial break we will do just that my guests today are Carolyn Baker and Andrew Harvey living in sacred joy not only reflects the truth of absolute reality but is the ultimate achievement a human being is capable of and the ultimate sign that someone has awoken to their fundamental divine nature and its responsibilities in the world. When asked what is the true sign of a great teacher or an authentically awakened person, His Holiness the Dalai Lama replied, he or she radiates joy in whatever circumstances arise. This is from the book Return to Joy by Andrew Harvey and Carolyn Baker. You can find out more about Andrew Harvey's work with the Institute of Sacred Activism at andrewharvey.net. And you can find out more about Carolyn Baker's work and all of her books as well at carolynbaker.net. We'll be right back to discuss the flames of joy from the book Return to Joy. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. 1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly online publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. Engage with experts in topics of consciousness. Become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, expanding the heart, and experiencing greater aliveness. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. 
Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio, Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. I'm so grateful to be able to be able to expose myself and others to amazing voices, incredible authors and speakers and change agents in this world, and I celebrate them through 1111 Talk Radio and 1111 Magazine, both of which are always free to you. So I invite you to partake of the pages of 1111 Magazine, drink in everything that you need, and then connect to the many individuals that I showcase there because they have such gems to share with you. And two of those amazing individuals are on the show today that I truly cherish and resonate with and that completely inspire me. They are Andrew Harvey and Carolyn Baker, and you can find out more about them at their respective websites, andrewharvey.net and carolynbaker.net. Get every one of their books because they're all incredible and you will grow and grow and grow and your heart will expand beyond measure so that you truly embody the light being that you're here to be. If you want to live in the joy that the great teachers and servants of humanity have lived, then four things are required, according to Harvey and Baker in their book, Return to Joy. First, you must accept at the deepest level possible that ultimate reality is sourced from a boundless joy. Second, you are called to do the righteous work of understanding the shadows of your past and the psychological labor of clearing the clouds from your essential sun. Third, you cannot avoid what all spiritual traditions call us to, uncompromising and calmly relentless spiritual work to align yourself in all circumstances as much as possible with the powers of divine light. Fourth, as all spiritual traditions know, the greatest joy is only known by those who have not merely tasted divine truth, but have committed themselves to the amazing and dangerous task of embodying and enacting it in the world. You can find out more about this incredible book and this potent invitation that, that it is requesting of you by accessing the book Return to Joy by Andrew Harvey and Carolyn Baker. Welcome back to both of you. And before we dive into the flames of joy, I do have one question that I'd love your both of your perspective on. I know in going through uh, my own traumatic experience in the last three years and really allowing myself to sit in every emotion and everything that rose up, I knew that I could not become a sacred activist while there was the rage and the anger. Yet I also knew its validity and purpose. And I came to the realization that only when it was neutralized around who I wanted to point the finger at and who appeared to be the cause of the issue, could I then 
actually be a true and active participant with responsibility in the world. And I state this because I know there are many people in the world right now that are angry at the new president or angry at the establishment or angry at someone in their life. And that rage that they're feeling, something must be done with that. Otherwise, taking action from just the rage is only going to put more of the same out into the world. How do you view rage and its necessity in our growth and evolution, and also what needs to happen with that rage before we actually put an action out into the world. Andrew, I'll let you start. I think the first thing that's very important is to realize that rage is a sacred gift because it shows you that you have a heart that can be wounded by injustice. So you have a sacred heart. Then you have to understand that that sacred gift that is rage has to be transmuted. And you have to transmute it in a way that doesn't lose its potency, its explosive energy, but does lose its edge and its neurotic, self-protective ferocity. And that's possible because... If you give your rage to the dark mother, if you invoke the dark feminine as Kali or as the black Madonna and allow her to take your rage completely, what she will do if you stand in adoration before her is irradiate you with golden light. And that golden light will be your rage transmuted into passionate, compassionate wise, focused love energy. And that will be great fuel for sacred activism. If you just let your rage burn, you'll miss what it can burn into, which is this holy, powerful, concentrated love energy, which will give you tremendous stamina. That's what Gandhi discovered in Satyagraha. That's what Martin Luther King lived. That's what the Dalai Lama is burning quietly with. That's what Jane Goodall exemplifies. That's what is the true sacred fire that we need now to burn with. Thank you for that, Andrew. Carolyn, what what are your thoughts on that? Well, um, I would point you to an article that we quote in our article by Sister Simone Campbell, who's the executive director of Catholic Social Justice Network Lobby. And uh, it was just in, uh, on, online last week. America must allow its heart to break before it can heal. And, you know, in activism, it's very easy to carry a lot of anger and rage because there is so much injustice and, and anger is so appropriate in in facing it. And what is also true is that with that anger, under that anger, around it, somewhere in the vicinity is tremendous grief. And one of the problems with sacred, with activists often is that they don't want to go anywhere near grief work. Uh, the belief is, well, if I give in to grief, uh, it, will, it will erode my passion and my power as an activist. And, uh, you know, our, our friend Francis Weller, who wrote the foreword for our book, who I think is the greatest grief sage in North America, states that the, the fires of activism must be watered with the tears of our grief. 
So when Mm. we can have that rage alongside the grief, the water and the fire, um, I think we are much more potent, we are much more whole and balanced, um, and and then our compassion can really, really blossom. And then we can be heard. Because yes. from that place, the people who are waking up will want to listen because they'll yes. hear voices that are joyful and sober and have real solutions and aren't in despair. Indeed. Beautifully spoken. I, I kept the myriad flames of joy at the very end of this show <laughs> to be just a teeny segment because I really want people to go get this book and I didn't want to give the farm away. <laughs> so right. Let's now touch on the flames of joy because that is, that is our inherent divine gift that we are always given that is always present. And it is right in front of us if we simply open our eyes. Carolyn, talk a little bit about these amazing flames of joy. Yeah, and, and we chose the, the word flame. We didn't say the pebbles of joy or the little blossoms <laughs> no. of joy. We said flames. <laughs> yeah, flames. So, there, are many, uh, there are many here, too. I'll, I'll name some of them, but we really go into this. The joy of loving the sacred Um, The joy of loving and celebrating earth, the joy of loving all beings as they are, the joy of the arts, the joy of play, the joy of sacred relationship, the joy of truth-telling and justice-making, the joy of conscious grieving. There actually is a lot of joy in grieving consciously. The joy of shadow healing, the joy of simplicity the joy of stillness, the joy of authenticity, the joy of ritual, the joy of celebration and abandonment to ecstasy, um, the joy of creating sacred space, the joy of creativity, the joy of community, the joy of solitude and rest, the joy of dreaming, and the joy of being with and loving animals. And we talk about all of these in the book. And, and many of these words, people might say, oh, I know, how to, I know these things. I have these they, things. I hope but they do. Because the true essence is deeper. That's the point. Yes? I think when people wake up to how hungry they are for joy and how they have a joy available in the core of their lives, because that's where we discover it. It's, we're living in a house of joy. If only we open up to total love of, and total yes to life when we do we discover that great love and that great yes and we live it and it brings tremendous joy whatever happens that's the key to the birth of the new human that's the key to thriving in chaos yes and And, and my guests have been carolyn baker and andrew harvey you can find out more at andrewharvey.net and carolynbaker.net in order to reclaim joy as the ultimate nature of reality and the fundamental birthright of our humanity a price must be paid and that price is nothing less than the total renunciation of the heart-numbing soul-murdering vapidity of an existence and as we embrace the heart-throbbing love-laden passion of an imaginable joy in action and realize the vision given to Andrew Harvey. A gold banner was unfurled in a sunlit sky above, and on that banner were written the words, joy is the power. Immediately he understood viscerally and cellularly that the tremendous challenges we all face at this time cannot be met by grief or heartbreak or despair alone. 
what is needed for all of us is to send go the way back to what all spiritual traditions know as the essence of reality, the simple joy of being that is the indispensable foundation for all meaningful living and all truly effective action. Get your copy of the book, Return to Joy, by Andrew Harvey and Carolyn Baker. Until next week, I am Simran Singh. In love, of love, with love and as love, be well. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality, your heart to greater compassion, and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.